What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabral, and I'm with Steve. Hope everyone's doing well. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, and we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, tell me what you've been playing. So, yeah, you know, I've been kind of lowering the amount of time I've been playing things, obviously trying to, I guess, I, the way I've been saying I've been on a game diet because new hardware is coming, so obviously we've been playing a lot of stuff there. So still just a lot of little things, you know, I jumped into Ghost of Tsushima, I meant to go play the multiplayer, but decided to familiarize myself with the controls again really quick, and then I've just yep, kind of I been, did the same thing. Yeah, I just kind of just trophy hunting though, I was like, well, let me get some more shrines, doing things, and I kind of, I still love that game, everything we've praised that game for, I still feel, to the point where I was able to just kind of jump back in, got the hang of it, you know, taking, taking down, you know, Mongol territories and stuff like that, so that that's still fantastic. Then just uh, you know, Halloween season just passed, uh, so I was in I was in Animal Crossing decorating my village, did the whole trick or treat session, uh, which was kind of fun actually, especially in a world where we couldn't really do Halloween, you know, the, the quote unquote right way. So you know, just doing light things. Then on Switch, which ties in a little bit later, I am playing uh, No More Heroes on Switch because okay. they finally released that. So I'm just playing the first one right now. Obviously, gonna play them in order as they come and. Yeah, I've been wanting these games ported to the Switch for a long time. It's been a long time since I've been able to play these games, and they hold up well. I mean, the price is right. They're right now they're seventeen ninety nine. If you want to buy them, you know they're on. They're that price until November fifteenth. Then they're gonna go up to nineteen ninety nine. So it's not like the biggest price hike, but so they're it's that right sweet spot for such an old game, short game. You know, it's still sort of like a. I always call it like a light hack and slash because it's. It doesn't have as like content filled and combo wise as other games, but it's still fun to see Travis back, obviously, and it's exciting to finally be able to play those games on modern hardware, not being, you know, before you'd have to hook up your original Wii to play these or your Wii U. So that's all I've been really playing. I've also been playing just a quick mention. Uh, I was for some reason can't pronounce it. The Genshin Impact. Oh that, yes. Uh, anime Breath Big of the right Wild. Now. Yeah. So. It's it's there. It's obviously everyone calls it you know anime Breath of the Wild, and it really is pretty much that. A little bit too um, close to it sometimes, even to the point where you're jumping with the paraglider, things like that. And it's interesting that so much of the game is free. Obviously, it has a lot of uh, gotcha mechanics and microtransactions and stuff like that. None that have been too overwhelming for me. Like I haven't, I don't even think a screen is like I found the marketplace, but. None of those things have been like roadblocked to me yet, so I'm surprised how much is free. Like, you can get pretty deep, and I know other people have been talking about it, where you can get pretty deep without having to do any microtransactions or pay out of pocket. But it's a nice little game. I'm, I'm playing it on my phone right now because it's uh, cross save with PC, so eventually maybe I'll get it on PC. I know it's not cross save with PS4 right now, and it will be cross save for Switch when it comes out, some weird stuff like that, but it's kind of just scratching a little bit of that breath of the wild feel without having to launch breath of the wild again because that's a whole big journey you know 200 hour journey to restart so that's all i've been the only other thing i kind of just dabbled in which was two demos um bravely second bravely default okay. 2 whatever, wait no I, I always get these titles confused bravely default, bravely two, default right? 2 yeah bravely second was the other one so i tried that demo very quickly i don't have too much to say because i really tried just like one battle some of the mechanics and then i left it I, I want to try a little bit more and then i also tried the hyrule warriors age of calamity demo me too yep yep um which um 
I'm positive on. I, I kind of like it. I see, you know, at the heart, it's still a Warriors game, but I do like some of the Zelda spinoff, like, mechanics on it. So, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing, I mean, a ton of stuff, but it, and it's mostly been, like, Switch season for me. I've been mm-hmm. playing a lot of Switch, and the, the main reason for that is uh, non-Switch stuff, like, most notably, like, Watch Dogs just came out. Mm-hmm. It, honestly, I kind of looked at the game, I'm like, I don't want to play that on current-gen hardware, just keeping it honest with myself. Uh, so that's something I was like, you know what, they just pull, pushed off Cyberpunk, we'll talk about that later, and I'll cry about that later. Yeah. Um, th- that opened up a lot of space for me. So once I'm done with, you know, Miles and Assassin's Creed, I'll be able to jump into Watch Dogs easily there. I just don't want to play that on current-gen hardware, to be honest. Um, So I was like, you know what, let me focus on a whole bunch of Switch stuff that's coming out lately. Uh, But also, I did want to note that on Friday night and Saturday night, I actually did jump into Little Hope, which is the Dark Pictures Anthology, like the second game in it after Uh, Man of Medan. Okay. So we did beat it again. It's it's close to like you know four or five hour experiences. They're not too long. Thirty dollars, uh, you know, depending on how much replayability will kind of affect how much that's worth it to you. To be honest, uh, I, I played it with my girlfriend and we kind of passed the controller back and forth. And it's built like that too. You can do a movie night and it, it basically you choose a certain amount of characters you control. They choose a certain amount of characters they control. And then when it's time to control the other character, the screen flashes with the other person's name and then you pass the controller to them. So it's really, really awesome the way they designed it like that. Uh, but yeah, it's called Little Hope. Had a good time with it, generally speaking. I think it's a lot better than Man of Madon, to be honest. Okay. Uh, it's still not touching Until Dawn. Let's get that you know established they're still not even close uh to hitting the until dawn thing i think the worst thing about little hope to be honest is just the character uh i found a lot of the characters this time pretty unlikable there was nobody really that i liked this time where as opposed to like man of madan where i didn't love the scenario but some of the characters were pretty interesting and specifically the dynamics between them because they were so different this time a lot of the characters were fairly like insufferable insufferable people like off rip everybody was kind (laughs) of unpleasant so i'm kind of sitting there like oh god And the, the problem with that is games like this are kind of built upon you wanting to survive. But when people are like every person kind of feels like an a-hole, it kind of lessens your want to try hard to keep them alive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was like the main critique I'd say of it. And I, and I feel like they're still falling short a little bit of an until dawn. Uh, but generally speaking, I enjoyed it. I like what they're doing with the anthology. You see small little connections between stuff you saw with like Man of Madan and stuff like that. And they have this general narrator who kind of branches everything together because he was in also in Man of Madan. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things to like about it. it also at the end, just like Man of Madan did, after the credits, they advertise the next one that they're going to be releasing. And that one's kind of interesting because it plays around more with, like, Sumerian culture and it's in the desert. So that one I'm, like, way more excited about. Is there a title for that one? Yes, but uh, let let me see if I could could find it for you. Uh, But, yeah, man, I would would say if you can find this for um, a reduced price, then I'd say go for it. But I, I have trouble kind of recommending it at $30. To be honest, it is a little steep for me. Mm. let me find the next game name for you house of ashes it's called Ah, okay kind of like that title too yeah so it's it's taking place in the desert it's a very different um environment and for you guys who don't know man of madan takes place on a haunted like ship like a world war ii ship uh little hope takes place in kind of like an abandoned town but it, it plays a lot with like puritanical culture like the witch trial era 
So it was perfect to play for Halloween. And then this one is taking place in the desert. So I like that how much they're differentiating themselves from each other. Because again, I, I always got nervous with them kind of playing around with like teen horror, for example, and like slasher horror, because they did that so well in Until Dawn. And it seems like they've done, Supermassive has done a pretty decent job of keeping like a little bit of distance in terms of some of the narrative threads they've established. Um, also, again, I guess I can go back to the Switch games I've been playing. Two demos and two games. So the demos are, I did try out the Control Cloud version mm. uh, demo that was out that they announced. And uh, the interesting thing is when you went into there, you actually went into a queue. And I was like 75 or something like that. But it moved in pretty decent time. I only waited for probably five to six minutes. Because, again, it's a cloud service. So you're, you, you have to wait, I guess, for the servers to open up some space for it. And I have to say and be completely honest, I was really impressed with the tech. It was running surprisingly well. Um, to be honest, the fact that it's kind of server-based and cloud-based, actually, in some of the combat moments, when my internet could handle it, which it was generally, you know, handling it pretty well, and I went uh, for the performance mode, not for the the graphical okay. mode. Yeah. And uh, the graphics still look very solid. Again, it's a 720p screen, but it looked full resolution. I wasn't seeing any kind of like stream buffer weird, you know, checkering thing. Um, it, the resolution was high, it looked good, it played good. And the funny thing is, it actually played kind of better than when I played it on Xbox. Oh, and the, okay. the, the reason for that is I'm assuming that whoever is doing the cloud version might be running a like higher-end PC build of it. It is the until, uh, I mean, the ultimate version. And I played the kind of you know, bare-bones launch version on Xbox. And I played it on a 1S, not a 1X. Okay. So... So in some ways, it was actually playing a little bit better than um, the Xbox version. But again, there is like some degree of input lag. And there was some points where like the camera got a little wonky. But generally speaking, I have to say the game was fully playable. Like I could definitely have made it through the game pretty easily that way. So And that's really, really impressive. I would never, I mean, at least in the next few years, not have thought that this was possible on Switch. But they, they pulled it off, to be honest with you. Uh, again, it was a five-minute demo so I can only speak from that perspective. Who knows how it is once you actually get to the more demanding parts and start using like levitation and all this kind of stuff, how it's going to run then. Uh, but from what I was able to experience for that five minutes, it ran really, really well. So I was impressed. Uh, next one, Hyrule Warriors. You spoke about it as well. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, to be yeah. honest with you. I was very apprehensive going into it because I do not like Musou games really at all. I, I used to play Dynasty Warriors like a while ago. And I kind of liked it then, but this, the giant wave of enemy thing has just never really been my cup of tea. And I knew the first Hyrule Warriors had a bit of performance issues uh, kind of across the board. And kind of all, a lot of these Musou games, they, their frame rates get a little wonky because of the sheer amount of activity going on on screen. Uh, but I would say, generally speaking, this game, it ran well. I love that there's so much plot in it and this is it, the interesting thing about it is this is kind of what i wanted from breath of the wild is for them to be able to explore a lot of the how that early world looked like before the calamity happened yeah and all these different characters actually being alive and interacting and you know things happening and you know this game is kind of allowing for that to be more fleshed out so i think it, i'm really really excited about this game and it went from oh yeah i'll get it and i'll play it when i play it too like oh no i actually really want to jump into this and i really want to see because i see that they're doing a lot more with the plot than i thought they actually had like the king talking to some degree they had all these side characters and info and stuff like that so i really like what they're doing and i also had a little bit of concerns about uh the graphical fidelity because yes it's cel shaded but breath of the wild had such a clean look to it that I was afraid that if 
you know, Nintendo themselves are not in-house making it, would that translate well or would you see some of the kind of jankiness of a third party kind of jumping in? But no, for, for the most part, it looks exactly like Breath of the Wild. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed with what they did there. And I was actually surprised with how much was in the demo, to be honest. I thought by first chapter they meant like first mission. But actually, no, you get like two or three missions out of that, mm-hmm. which is yeah. almost an hour worth of material there. So And the save carries over. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think and, the save carries is a smart thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very well handled, and uh, I, that I'm very excited to jump into. And I'm, now that I guess it's November 1st, that's actually coming out this month, too. So we'll see how that fits in with next-gen consoles, because <laughs> it's like the 20th or something like that. So it's like right after. Yep, yeah, it is. And so the last two games that I played, because I'm going a little long here, <laughs> is um, Hades. I'm still playing uh, like a ton of. I play it pretty much daily. That's like my game right now. Very good. Um I've been using the fists. That's like my main weapon mm-hmm. that I've, I've kind of settled on. I love it. That's what I'm going for. I've made tremendous progress in terms of I went through. I finally beat Elysium yesterday. So that's the third area. Just, yep. And so I, I'm not going to do any spoiler things out there. But you get to a point where there's kind of like a passing. And you have to go through these weird like single mini rooms. And things get really hectic. And that was the first time I died there. And that was the first time I made it to there. So I've been making a lot of progress in that game. And uh, it makes me feel a lot more positive that I'm like, oh, maybe I'll actually be able to have a successful escape. Maybe. One day. <laughs> right. But, uh, man, that Theseus fight with the Minotaur is no joke. I don't Ugh. know if you've made it that yeah. far before. Well, you're giving me flashbacks now because it's like, jeez. Yeah, that's brutal. And mm-hmm. the thing is, I right before that fight, I was able to get my... Uh, I forget the actual term they use for it, but it's basically when you uh, death defy when you you get killed but you come back with half health yes i was able to replenish that right before i went there and my health was maxed out at about like 225 so i was like okay i stand a chance here this is about as good as it gets and i had a lot of uh specifically zeus upgrades and if you i don't know if you've ever used that but the cool thing is when you use your dash ability it does like a lightning and if you upgrade it enough times it does like a chain lightning move every time you dash yeah okay yep yep so between dashing around and being able to use your uh, special move, which has like it was like level three or level four upgraded, I was like doing some serious damage, and like I beat them, and that was only my fa- second time actually facing off to them, just because getting to them takes some time, um, and I, I was able to beat them. I was like, holy crap, man! Like that was crazy. So yeah, I, I just love Hades. That's a, such a phenomenal game. I'm I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's again. I said it last week, but mm-hmm. I reaffirm it this week. Easily one of my favorite games of the year. Easily, <laughs> no, it's it broke into my top five already. Good, yeah, I'm glad. And then the last game that I played was Pokemon Crown Tundra. Ah, okay. So that came out. Um, mm-hmm. Now you know I'm relatively casual Pokemon fan. Like I play every single one that comes out, but typically when I beat it, I that's kind of the end of it for me. I don't try to catch them all. I don't try to do every bit of exploration and every single storyline they have there i just i go through the plot and i get out and i just it's for the most part pretty close to annualized so i just wait for next year's kind of thing you know like like i play call of duty um so it's always been hard for me to talk about these dlc because these dlcs are so much catered towards the more hardcore people who you know really want to get more plot really want to get access to more pokemon like i know a lot of people take a lot of issue with sword and shield because there's so many pokemon missing um and this one added a whole bunch. I 
never really got that caught up in there. I kind of just take whatever they offer me, and I'm like, because again, I'm not a completionist. So if they only have like you know 120 Pokemon in there, and they're all new Pokemon, like that mm-hmm. doesn't really phase me because yeah. I don't really care that much if I have like a Charizard or not. Uh, but I understand the frustrations from a lot of other people. So this is speaking from that perspective. Now I have to say. Again, I enjoyed the plot that they're adding. This one's a lot more ambiguous than the Isle of Armor DLC, where the Isle of Armor was like, okay, this is what you're set up with. This is the scenario. Go in that direction and do what you got to do. This one is kind of like, there's like a mystery kind of going on. Okay. And there's a whole, and they kind of just drop you into the island and you're like, all right, look around and figure things out. And so I'm kind of like peeling things back as I, w- I walk around and go to these different locations but it's still taking me a little bit of time to specifically understand what direction they want to go want me to go with because again it's such a more ambiguous kind of experience that they're offering here uh the good thing is if you buy the season pass you got ilm armor you also get crown tundra so there's no additional money there but it is twenty dollars for the season pass additional to whatever price you spent for the game so that's worth uh also noting is that the price proposition right now i can't say that it's justified because i haven't gone deep enough to know but i know they do do some cool things like introducing uh new variants on the original three legendaries which is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. I also I bumped into like Suicune or whatever its name is relatively early. So they're doing some really interesting stuff, and it's a really awesome area, especially this time of year because it's so snowy and stuff like that. Obviously, the Tundra part of the title gives that away. <laughs> so uh, I'll have more details to share about that in the, com- the next you know, upcoming weeks. But for now, I would say I'm generally enjoying it, but Hades is pretty much better than everything. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, I've been... You know, I've had this sort of crave to go back to Pokemon um, Shield or Sword. I don't even remember which version I had. I think it's Shield. And I, I didn't realize that the Tundra DLC came out. And, and I forgot, even though I saw like some trailer. And then you just reminded me again. And I've been wanting to go back. Obviously, again, I'm not a big completionist either. Especially the way you really can't do a complete, complete uh, run in these games. So, it is interesting. And I... I'm glad you're playing because that way at least you can give me more of that uh, impression. Like, because again, I play more of that. I need a story to kind of bring me through this world, and at least, at least with the second DLC and um, from what I've seen and from what you've said, it seems like that's it's in there to an extent, which I'm glad to hear. Yeah, there's story as in like the plot's expanded in the way that there's new characters and new scenarios, but yeah. I wouldn't say it's so plot oriented to the point that it's not like the Horizon DLC. Where there's like a whole self-contained deep story that is like enrapturing. The story is pretty much as light as the stories are for like all the Pokemon games. Okay, yeah. With exception for like Black and White, which I know were kind of anomalies in terms of how heavy they got. But um, yeah, no, generally speaking, if you didn't really love the original base game, the DLCs are not going to do anything for you. Okay, yeah, sounds good. So I guess, I mean, you guys are going to hear a lot more of my voice now. Uh, We got the first story here. Uh, Assassin's Creed live action show has been announced so let's get some into the details of it so on Tuesday Netflix announced that they would team up with Ubisoft to develop content based on the Assassin's Creed franchise in a news release that they said the following for more than 10 years millions of fans around the world helped shape the Assassin's Creed brand into an iconic franchise we're thrilled to create an Assassin's Creed series with Netflix and we look forward to developing the next saga in the Assassin's Creed universe we're excited to partner with Ubisoft and bring to life the rich multi-layered storytelling that Assassin's Creed is beloved for, uh, said Peter Friedlander, the VP of original series at Netflix, uh, from its breathtaking historical worlds and massive global appeal as one of the best-selling video game franchises of all time, we are committed to carefully crafting epic 
and thrilling entertainment based on this distinct IP and provide a deeper dive for fans and our members around the world to enjoy. So, Steve, you are definitely the bigger Assassin's Creed fan of the two of us. I'm definitely somebody who jumped in with Odyssey. So, what was your thoughts immediately upon hearing this news? So, there was a slight confusion in my uh, category because Netflix, I want to say a year and a half ago, announced doing an animated series already. Yes. Uh, with the guys who did um, the Castlevania that are also doing Devil May Cry and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is something we already knew. Then they're like, well, no, this is going to be a live-action show, and they're pretty much going to be, from my understanding, an, trying to make a little Assassin's Creed universe. So I guess the anime show may tie into the live-action stuff like that. So I'm... I wanted to be excited. Instinctively, I was excited. When you see the you know the symbol and you see the, the, the little teaser trailer they gave us, it's exciting. I just don't know what they're going to really go with. Because from the way they're talking about it, they're obviously going to be doing a uh, dual story where you're going to kind of have probably the current timeline with someone jumping into the Animus. And, and don't get me wrong, I know that's still in the newer Assassin's Creed games. That's obviously something that they highly abandoned after Assassin's Creed 3, though. With, yes. I mean... I know you're playing as like an archaeologist now in the newer ones or something like that, but again, it's that's super super, like they've really removed it to the point where it's almost not even in there. So I'm I'm curious to see what vibe they kind of go with. I'm hoping, you know, the games are always mature, so I'm hoping they kind of go like an unrated or at least a very edgy way because a lot of these eras they like to take on in Assassin's Creed are pretty brutal. Like you know, Valhalla's coming. That's not going to be a nice little game. Like that's a brutal time for the battles and the wars and everything that was going on. I'm worried that it's going to be a little repetitive because Assassin's Creed has pretty much hit all like the iconic like time eras for mostly. You know, you have a little bit. Of, you know, if you go back to Assassin's Creed Two compared to all these other Assassin's Creed games, you, you've hit a lot of that distinctive like time era people like so i'm i'm excited to see what they're gonna do with it i do get kind of like bitter because i did not enjoy the assassin's creed um live movie that they did too much few people did yeah it was uh it's not terrible but it's just not assassin's creed again it's it's something it's very it felt like a very old school taking a game ip and making a movie for some reason street fighter style yeah i would say street fighter prince of persia style which also was ubisoft so I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think you know Assassin's Creed gives them enough free like free way to and like you know willingness to do it. Unlike you know we've talked about constantly the Uncharted games, which have to hit a certain beat. The characters have to be a certain way. Assassin's Creed is very open ended, where you can make your own new character. They don't specifically say they're gonna go the original trilogy route with like Desmond in the current timeline. I don't think they should you know completely open it up and stuff like that again a lot of little rumors came out that someone was already gonna be casted as Ezio I just don't think they're gonna do that route and I don't think they should so as a uh, more not casual fan but as a newer fan of Assassin's Creed where are you kind of hoping this takes direction to yeah I mean it's like I almost don't know what to take of this because I Assassin's Creed is too broad and I know that sounds nuts but Mm -hmm. that means so many different things to so many different people over like a very long period of time at this point that again i i don't know what this this means 
because specifically, I don't know if this, like, w- how does this work as a show? To be honest, the only portion of the Assassin's Creed storyline that I think they could probably even stand a chance of adapting wouldn't be really an Assassin's Creed story. Like, they could adapt, you know, Origins or uh, Odyssey or something in that world. But essentially, they'd just be an Egyptian or a, you know, a Greek show. Like, it, there wouldn't be... If you try to have those those kind of overarching narratives of what's going on in the background nowadays with the templars it it would immediately unwind and become you know unfollowable because playing the game as someone who put 75 hours into it i barely was able to follow in terms of what was happening in the background because it's so ambiguous and you could tell they're kind of playing that weird game of like not wanting to completely abandon that kind of future storyline part of it because Mm, again they've invested so much onto it and they don't want to completely piss off the old fans which they've done a pretty good job so far of but they they want to keep something out there for them so the that fight and that kind of background templar storyline still exists but to be honest like you could tell they're also playing the game where like it's not really a relevant thing so i don't know by assassin's creed they can go old school with it and they can completely adapt the old you know renaissance italy type era but I, I don't know if that translates well to a show. I don't know if people like it. I don't know if that whole thing has aged well or is it going to come off as edgy. I don't know. Um, and I do kind of worry about them kind of biting off more than they can chew with this kind of multiverse thing. Because if they're going to try to do a thing where it's like we're going to do a season per era, you're going to run into some weird stuff where, I mean, Westworld was barely, barely able to <laughs> hold that together. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll be able to. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not a proven identity where it's like Westworld's a great, great example. I know we brought it up, I think, super early on on the podcast, early episodes we talked about Assassin's Creed doing like a Westworld type deal. And again, Westworld did it for the first season. I don't I didn't keep watching Westworld. I don't know what, how the, se- the rest of the seasons worked out with it and stuff like that with the other realms and stuff. It's just, yeah, you got to remember, not everyone's going to be able to sit there, read synopsis and read Easter eggs and like. You know, if you think of, like, I'm trying to think of, like, my, my parents just clicking a show and watching it. They're not going to understand why why the first ten minutes of episode one was in the future. And then we got seven episodes, let's say, of, you know, Italy. And then you assume the last two episodes are going to try to ramp up some future thing that's going to try to connect to one small detail that happened in the back. Then, you know, you're forgetting characters. You're not connecting with these characters. And it's, it's going to be, you know different because if you think of some of the best shows those characters is what helps drive it so if you're going like we said different era every season you're going to recast it every season uh you because you can't use the same people because it's not going to make any sense so it's it's unless they find a way a, a workaround that just won't be sustainable for that long i know netflix has a cast of characters but i just what are you going to do you can't like get uh you know a character and just keep recasting it's just not going to make sense and i think this is uh, it's an interesting IP for them to choose, but I think they also chose one of the more difficult ones um, yeah. to start this sort of project. And I also think you get too many hands in the pot because you got the guys doing the animated stuff. They're going to go with one vibe, then you're going to get a live-action show. Is it going to look kind of weird? Remember, Ubisoft did, especially in, in the Assassin's Creed 2 era, they did a few live-action sequences. So there was a whole live-action mini series and then they eventually put all the scenes together as a movie for Ezio's father who played the thing and you know it was fine but it was a smaller almost YouTube based thing where it looked fine 
some of this stuff just doesn't translate well into a live action and it's just I'm, I don't know who's going to be able to work work it out the right way yeah I mean I wish them the best and to be honest The Witcher specifically changed my tune a lot about what Netflix can do with video game IPs and again I understand Witcher is actually technically adapting a book not a, a strict video game but it, it's pretty close and it takes a lot of cues from there and there's obviously some degree of inspiration there uh, so that gave me hope that these things can be done with enough care. Just I just don't want them to bite off more than they choose. So if they're going to adapt Assassin's Creed for at least season one, I think they should stick to one era, one storyline. And to be honest, if they're going to try to do multiple seasons, multiple eras, the best way they could probably link it together, just brainstorming, would be it would be a different direction than the games, and that's going to piss a lot of people off. But it might make a better show is if there's kind of... Like, for example, in Odyssey, there's that cult. And yes. there's, like, certain common enemies that you face from Assassin's Creed game to Assassin's Creed game with similar kind of, like, um, imagery that they use and stuff like that. And maybe that could be the kind of connecting fabric that it's basically, like, there's this war between side A and side B. And no matter what era you go, there's kind of a persisting war that's going on all kind of coming together around a single assassin. And that can be the kind of branching narrative that carries from each season. And they can maybe take a almost like American Horror Story approach where each season's disconnected, but with the same reoccurring themes so people are able to follow. Maybe. Just a brainstorming. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's definitely a possibility and might be the better way to do it. To not be safer, but ease people into that format. Yeah, just leave this future stuff alone, maybe. Because, again, what what you're able to do in a video game does not necessarily make sense in the context of a show. So I feel like if they can just establish that this is what's going on, there's side A, fighting side B, start the, the Italy storyline and just go from there. I think people can kind of connect the dots that way a lot easier than if they keep pivoting back and forth. And then if they, I mean, God forbid, try to do it, it's like, okay, so that big war that was going on, yeah, now it's just a company and people go back for fun. Forget about it. There's <laughs> there's not a chance that anybody yeah. understands that. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. All right. So let's get into the second uh, story. You know, we'll have some more, you know, updates on Assassin's Creed when we get some information. I think it's going to be a while, especially uh, amongst the way filming is nowadays. Uh, during the pandemic yeah covid delays yeah. covid delays it's gonna be a while so and uh waiting for things for a while i guess nice segue here uh so we have some unfortunate news to deliver uh so some unfortunate delays have been announced first is even though it went gold cyberpunk 2077 jabril has been God. delayed by 21 was responsible by 21 days so this is the game that was originally set to release in April. Then it was delayed to September 17th. Then it was delayed to November 19th. Then it went gold, which means usually the discs are formatted, you know, starting to hit print. And obviously the company usually keeps working on it for a day one patch and stuff like that. But now it has been delayed by 27 day, uh, 21 days to no- December 10th. So this is, you know, like we said, the big hit here before we get to the second delay they were making a big stink, I want to say, what, a week ago, two weeks ago, when the game went gold, that, you know, this meant no more delays, not too much, you know, the whole crunch rumors and stuff was kind of put to the side. The game was done, a lot of the bulk work was done, and they were able to get it going. This is weird that literally, what, two weeks later, boom, we're hit with another delay, a three-week delay. So it's, it's a little bit interesting, so... 
The delay seems to be an optimization um, issue across every version of the game for a simultaneous release, and some more stuff has come out about this, pretty much saying that the game is working fantastic on PC and next-gen hardware. It's some of the current hardware, which I'm assuming is probably the base PS4 and the base Xbox One, is what's causing a lot of the, the holdup. So before we get into the second delay, uh, I, I, we already know you're bummed out. We can kind of tell everyone's <laughs> bummed out. How was uh, this reaction to the cyberpunk delay? Yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like I'm ne- I'm never mad at like the developers. So like CD Projekt Red has to do what's best for their game. And mm-hmm. delays are only going to make the game better. I understand that. But yeah, it is very upsetting and saddening because, again, this was my most anticipated game of the year easily. Uh, I love their work. I love The Witcher. And I was always saying that I love Witcher, but fantasy has never been my jam. It's always been kind of sci-fi and futuristic stuff. And so Cyberpunk was a thousand percent the game I needed. Plus, they're like, it's deep. It's a dense city. There's all these branching narratives you can customize and do all this kind of crazy stuff. Like, it's perfect. It was just everything they were saying was right up my jam. Uh, But again, yeah, these delay thing is getting crazy. And you want to hear the craziest thing and the perfect way to kind of summarize this to put this into Mm -hmm. context for you is there is a Cyberpunk 2077 Xbox One X that has been out. The One X has since been um, discontinued. So there's, there's a Cyberpunk 2077 version of a console that has since been discontinued based around a game that's still not out. Like, that's how much the delay has been. They, yeah. they waited so long that they released a version of a console that has since been discontinued. Like, how insane is that? That's It is a little crazy when you start to think of it that way. And I'm just like, again, COVID, listen, it threw a lot of things out, you know, out of whack, and I, I'm sympathetic to that. And I'm like, but this was supposed to be an April game. Like, an April game. And then delayed to September. And again... April was during the COVID era, September was during the COVID era, November was during the COVID era. So eventually you have to ask, like, how long before you guys are just saying dates b- before you even know if that's possible? You know what I mean? And that's what that's what I always take issues with is if you don't know for sure, just don't say it. Because, again, you're just setting yourself up for a, a lot of ridicule and stuff like that. And I understand they said, like, a lot of people don't expect them to be able to do too much in 21 days, but you'd be surprised what we're able to do and stuff like that. And it's like, but this isn't 21 days. This is, first off, this was announced, I mean, years and years and years ago, initially. Yep. I, I don't know specifically when, but we're talking was, about was, a significant was, amount of time, at least seven, eight years or something like that. Yeah, it was announced, I want to say, after Witcher 2. Yeah, so it was an insane amount of time ago that it was announced. And then this game was, for the most part, content complete fairly early in 2020 so i mean eventually it's got to get to a point where it's like what is going on with you guys and it's it's like i understand making current gen versions run you know as well as possible to match but like it's like how long are people for next gen consoles gonna have to have their experience dampened because of console hardware from 2013 like eventually mm-hmm. you gotta either move on or delay it and let the current gen people wait a little bit and let the next gen people be able to experience what they gotta experience because again we're we're having new hardware and we're kind of starving for new experience to be able to play on the Xbox Series X and the PS5 and having to wait you know for again really really old hardware to be able to run these games is really unfortunate but again I understand the install base of the PS4 and the Xbox uh, One ecosystem is substantially larger. And it's gonna be year, it's gonna be years before the PS5 and the Series X eclipse that. 
Um, yep. So I understand, but it, it's really, really unfortunate and disheartening. But again, I just hope they meet the December one. But at this point, it, it entered, for me, Final Fantasy fifteen and Kingdom Hearts levels where it's like, I'll play it when I get it. Like, I, I don't trust anything you guys say. Not that, again, the development cycles are comparable, because it's not. Because those are Square has a unique case in terms of their delays, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's gotten to the point where it's like you know I'll believe it when I see it because at this point I, I don't really know what's going on with you guys. But again, people who are sending hate to teams, knock it off, y'all are unhinged. You got to get it together. Yeah, that's. That, that's I just wanted to add that. Don't do that. You guys are crazy. Yeah, that's a little too much. And you know, it's what, a video game. What also makes me worried is you know there was an interview that happened a little bit after this where they're like, well. Are you guys confident you're gonna hit your December tenth date? And they're like, "Well, we're we're pretty confident. We 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 think we can hit that date." And I'm like, "See, I think, and I've been saying this since the second delay when they moved it to September. I said they need to just move this into 2021. Uh, that way, you have all that pressure off you. You could always go reverse. Remember, you know, we've seen games rarely, but we have seen games instead of delay move up forward. So it's like that would be way better news. People would be celebrating." You know, because at this point, we're get, it's it's almost like a meme. You get that big yellow card on Twitter. You see it on your Twitter feed, and you know it's a cyberpunk newsletter. And you know, unfortunately, it is a delay. So even the fact that they're not confident they're going to hit the December 10th date, even though they said their project has gone gold and stuff like that, it's very worrisome. I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm worried that, you know, like we said, these dis- the discs are being printed. They may be already in some warehouses somewhere. This game's gonna start leaking um, at this point, and I, I oh no doubt. You know, and I'm sad over that. That the fact is, the game's gonna leak to to the extent that people are gonna get their hands on it, and the developers aren't gonna have much. To, I mean, they can copyright strike and do all that stuff, but the fact is, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet, and that's terrible. Again, I don't know. They're kind of in a lose lose situation here now, where people think. It's not coming out this year at all. I don't think it's coming out this year. December 10th is so late in the year. It's so close, yeah. Um, at this point, it is a 2021 game because by the time people even play it, by the time people can get it, you know, you're know you deep into 2021. So you're missing the whole game of the year awards context. Who knows what the games that Cyberpunk's are going to go. You know, Cyberpunk's going to go up against probably some pretty amazing games next year that it's just going to unfortunately get lost. Hopefully, not you know too lost, but... You know, what if there's another game that's kind of in the same era, kind of style, next year that we don't even know of, and it's and it sucks that unfortunately that this happened to them. But at the same time, we understand we can't just demand things. We just kind of hope the best is going on there. We understand that this generation's also such a weird thing because they're trying to optimize this game for you know PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X. The Series S, Series X, PC, uh, and Stadia. I don't know who's doing that, but you know that's Stadia. nine. That's nine versions of a of a game, uh, essentially. And the ease of what used to be making things for console, you know, two SKUs, to you know, change. Now you're two SKUs on place, you know, three SKUs on PlayStation, and what five SKUs you have to worry about on Xbox. Yeah. So that's it's an insane amount, and and. Who knows? Or we've been saying early on that this game needs to be a complete next gen. But like we said, that's easy for us to say because we're obviously jumping into next gen. There's people who won't jump into that for years or if ever. So they obviously want to play on the hardware they have now. So, you know, coming up next to a another delay, but I guess it's not the worst one. So Ubisoft has confirmed that Far Cry 6, which was originally announced to be released on February 18th, 2021, has now been delayed into the next fiscal year, which means it will come out at some point 
after March 2021, if I'm correct. Yeah. And they also quickly mentioned that Rainbow's, Rainbow Six Quarantine is also being pushed, too. This was, I, I guess, less of a hit because of the fact that the game's also... You know, you gotta remember, Cyberpunk was scheduled to be released in two weeks. Uh, Far Cry was obviously not coming out until, you know, February, so that is not that horrible of a delay. I guess it really kind of depends when this game's pushed to. If they come out and they're like, yeah, Far Cry 6 is now a fall game, that'll be a little bit too much because uh, I think fall 2021 is going to be a heavy, heavy full year. So how were, how did you react to this uh, delay? I, I wasn't too broken up about it. Spreading these games out a little bit more works for me. That's always been my thing even for the Cyberpunk. As much as I want to play Cyberpunk on my new hardware close to launch, spreading these things out kind of works out for me a little bit and hopefully helps the developers. Yeah, I mean, obviously it hurt because, again, coming off of Cyberpunk, these, again, these were two of the games I was the most excited for. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, man, the double whammy, that sucks. Uh, But again, yeah, it's entirely dependent on, again, a fiscal year. It's it's 12 months, so it's from April to April. So sometime in there, yeah, if this comes out on the late 2021, yeah, I'm going to be a lot more, uh, you know, saddened than if this is an April release. If it's an April release, I mean... It's not ideal, but I'll take what I get. Again, once a game is out, it's out. So do what you got to do beforehand to make that experience as nice as possible. So it, it couldn't hurt. Make it more polished and uh, make a better experience. Because, again, one, once it's out, I want to I wanna see something that really pushes the hardware and is an amazing next-gen experience. And if by, you know a couple more months makes that more of a reality and makes that a higher chance, then I'm, I'm willing to wait. Yeah, I'm in the same aspect, obviously. You're not, you know, Far Cry things would be amazing. I'm not too broken up by having to wait just a little bit more. Uh, Far Cry, you know, there's no real skeptical, you know, skeptical like guessing game because Far Cry literally releases when they want to, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, delays, delays, delays. COVID's throwing everything off, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come, no doubt. Yeah. In 2020, when in 2032, when Halo Infinite finally comes out. All right, so we got a new Nintendo Partner Showcase, actually, and I'm going to run through all the different announcements that I had there because there's some interesting things to talk about and a lot of stuff that we've already talked about. Yep. Uh, so a demo for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was released. We talked about that. We both you know, liked it, and uh, we're generally positive on it. Yep. Uh, Control Ultimate Edition Cloud version, I talked about that. Positive experience as well. Hitman 3 is also getting a cloud version. Bravely Default 2 is now releasing in 2021. No More Heroes 1 and 2 are coming to Switch. So for all you guys who are excited to play 3, that can you know give you something to play in the meantime. Uh, we got Part-Time UFO, Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. I do want to highlight this one. For everybody who's kind of interested in Story of Seasons, this is Harvest Moon right here. This yes. is Harvest Moon. Don't let the IP name thing confuse you. The name switched. This is the team you want to pay attention to. The Story Seasons games are phenomenal. So for you guys who remember playing it back in the day, you know, on Game Boy or N64 or wherever, this is the franchise you want to check out, not the actual ones that are called Harvest Moon because those are, you know, iPhone game port janky messes. <laughs> so yep. um, surviving the aftermath, we got to look at Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising on Switch was out, which, I mean, yeah, again, the resolution's fairly low and stuff like that, but I am kind of excited at the prospect um that this is coming to switch and a lot of people will be able to play it there and hopefully it plays well i will absolutely not be touching this version of the game i'm gonna be playing this on ps5 (laughs) but um but i'm glad that it's coming Mm -hmm. yeah uh we got bakugan champions of vestroya or whatever 
I had zero clues Bakugan still was a thing. I thought that was like 07. Yeah, apparently, apparently it's had a relaunch from my understanding. God I, bless them. I don't know. <laughs> Best of luck. Uh, I remember thinking the toys were really awesome, but I was too broke to have one. Uh, and I guess not much has changed. <laughs> Tropico 6. Yep. And then we have Griftland. So we got a lot of different um, indie games, things of varying qualities and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, any anything from this stand out to you, Steve? So I mean, obviously, obviously, uh, the Age of Calamity demo was super exciting. I was excited tech wise for Hitman Three and Control Ultimate Edition, um, yeah. and obviously we're getting different you know results and stuff like that for people. Hitman was a strange one because the first two Hitman aren't on there as of now, so it's kind of... yeah, they're not technically demanding. I don't know yeah. why there's a cloud version, but yeah, I'm I'm a little confused on that. Again, Bravely Default Two, I should maybe have more. I mean. I, I've never played Bravely Default. The first one, I think you did. You talked. It, yeah, I think I did. This was years ago. Now at this point, you talked. You talked it up a lot, and I do remember trying it a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. Some gameplay. It's obviously, it's original Final Fantasy style. Obviously, yes. The new Final Fantasies are super cinematic. This one's like hardcore, and I can get that from the demo. I don't know how I feel about the super chibi style of it, and some of the voice acting is a little cringy. Um, if you try the demo, you'll you'll see what I'm. You'll probably text me because you'll see what I'm kind of talking about. It's a little bit. Yeah, weird. I'm gonna try that on right after this. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. No more heroes. I already said I, I did purchase the first one. Super cool. Runs nice. It is obviously the Wii ports because they did remake the first No More Heroes for PlayStation Three. It's not that version. Obviously, you're playing the old version, but it's cool to see these games in their entirety. A lot of the adult humor is still there, and the sexual jokes and the blood and all that stuff is still there. So. From my knowledge, they haven't like super censored the game in any aspect. Part-time okay. UFO was was cute. I'm it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> a story of seasons. Every time I see it, I'm glad it's there because Harvest Moon, like you said, went into such a dark loop that it's glad to see that these games are there. And the other games again, yeah, Baku Bakugo Bakugan is not a, a <laughs> thing. Uh, it's not a thing for me. Yeah, I remember what it was. Immortals was interesting because uh, I knew it was coming to Switch. I just when when they rebranded Immortals and they had all these YouTubers play it, they were all playing PC versions. So I was like, I wonder how it runs on Switch. I'm like, okay, it's there. Again, I will probably play this on Series X or PS5. But again, for people who only have that and are into this kind of game, you know, it's there. Obviously, the edges were a little, a little bit more uh, rough and stuff like that. But it's it's exciting. It was such a weird showcase that Nintendo keeps doing these random. I just wake up and while I'm trying to do something in the morning oh there's here's a 20 minute video with a bunch of announcements and you know but there's some good stuff again the no more heroes one and two port coming obviously they just delayed no more heroes three a while back so at least you give us something like this that gives you three no more hero games to play on switch before the third one comes out because there's the yep. spinoff that's on there oh yeah travis strikes back travis strikes there, back right? which is more of a mini game based one and so you know you can kind of to be able to play the whole series on one system is a smart smart move I'm curious if these two are coming over to other systems because Travis Strikes Again released on PlayStation, if I'm not wrong. So it's it's weird, but then No More Heroes 3 is announced as a Switch exclusive right now. Some some weird stuff, but again, that's what these partner showcases are. Are just always like a combined weird nonsense to a, an extent, but it's exciting. Some good stuff in there. Some exciting stuff because Switch was looking a little bare for a while. Yeah, and I mean, I do have to commend Nintendo. I think they're, I mean, three years into the gen- this generation at this point, um, 
their insistence on supporting like indie developers and stuff like that, I think is a really, really awesome thing. And again, their first party offerings can sometimes dry out because again, they fire from all cylinders for a couple months, like like in 2017 and thing, things will loosen up a little bit more. But they had some big games this year too, mm-hmm. don't get it twisted. Uh, but you can never say that, hey, if you go on that e-store, there's always something new to play. And I got to give them credit is that those Thursday drops are no freaking joke on on yeah, uh, Switch. Yeah. There's a constant stream of it of varying quality. Some things are not that great. Some things are, are pretty good. But there's kind of always something to play on there. And they're always, with exception for some of the, the bigger games that always have that ridiculous Switch tax. There's always relatively well-priced indie games available on there. So I always find myself playing something small. And again, uh, as much as the great things that are coming out on that thing, go go buy Hades. Steve was right. Come on, guys. Yeah, and if I'm not wrong, I don't know if it was just for Halloween. Because I, I, I constantly check the deal section in Switch because those go live crazy. Hades is on yeah. sale again for $19.99. So even if oh. one person out there hears me, yo, buy Hades. <laughs> yeah. Let's, not, uh, let's get it twisted. Go buy Hades. Trust me, you do more. You do if you expect to do more than one run a week, it's worth every dime yeah. for sure. It's a fantastic game. All right, so we're going to the next, which is not really a story. I guess it's just a small segment. Gibraltar, we're twelve days, eleven days away from the launch of PlayStation Five. Literally got chills when you said that. I just looked at the day. I was like, oh my god, so it's, it's so just, close. It's exciting. Literally next week, not this week. Yes. Next week, it's here, and eyes. I'm starting to get really hyped, starting to watch unboxings and stuff like that. A little jealous, because I do see people where I'm like, I wish I had the ability to unbox it. Uh, there's some people who I think don't don't deserve it. I guess that's kind of spiteful of me, but just watching them unbox it, like I saw someone pull it out and kind of drop it on the table, and I was like... Yikes, really? Oh, I was like, oh no, it hurt me. But accessories have been uh, released out there, so I was able to get my hands on my DualSense. I got it early on in the week. My friend brought it over. He ordered through PlayStation, the direct website and stuff, so he got it early, which makes me a little jealous because he also pre-ordered his PlayStation that way, and I'm starting to get a sense he may get the system like two, three days early, and I would be super envious. But at my local GameStop where I had my DualSense pre-ordered and the HD camera, just there's not much. I can't really give an impressions on the HD camera, so you can't see me, but on the video, guys, I do have my DualSense here, a real live DualSense. I unboxed it. Super excited to get my hands on it so i guess this is kind of just a quick you know my thoughts on it first of all the control super comfortable weight wise again you are expecting yours today at the time of recording any minute right yeah so yep. any it minute, should be coming so. soon yeah so one thing my initial reaction out of the box it is not as white as you think and mm. it's interesting and i can't really explain it until you see it when you see it, you're gonna immediately be like Huh, he, he was he was right. It's like a soft white. I, I don't know colors. I'm not a painter. I don't know the difference between eggshell white, snow white, and snowfall white. I'm not one of those white. people. But it's like a very soft off white where it's not okay. gonna, it's not really yellow, but it's it's nice. Black is crisp. The lights there. The control obviously has a more of a weight to it. A little bit bigger fits naturally more in your hand. Obviously, people who suffer with like hand cramps and stuff like that with the original. Dual shocks and all the way to the Dual Shock Four. This will feel a little bit better. You know, it's not too super big. It's not super like 360 style, but it is comfortable. It's there. The sticks are obviously where we know Dual Shock, well, Dual Sense. You know, we know where PlayStation sticks are, so it's there. Yep. So it's really nice. USB C three on top, which is becoming kind of the standard. It's not the mini USB anymore, and I have tons of these, so 
the control doesn't bring it bring a, a charging cable but the system does so i was a little weirded on that did you have anything in your house to be able to get some charge into it or yeah it's the switch charger oh okay perfect so so it so it worked out and it, how dare you that's nintendo how dare you <laughs> so also it was very nice that the control had power right out the gate so you know it's nice the touchpad is is solid um the only you know it's kind of the same touchpad it's a little bit a little bit more clicky triggers were one where i was excited obviously i cannot use the you know the feedback as much as we wanted to because we don't have i don't have one i was able to try this on my pc it worked perfectly fine and it's comfortable you know it is comfortable again the triggers feel like normal triggers right now because we can't get the feedback you can tell a difference when you push them that like there's more of a arch to it like the angle of it is going to be different like you can definitely tell like they always talk about like when you were like pulling back a bowstring and stuff like that you'll be able to feel it and i can tell that already just by touching the triggers on how that's going to work a little bit i am su i'm surprised on um the size of them are bigger which is nice and r1 and l1 i don't know if you'll be able to hear it but they're a little bit more satisfying clicky they're not squishy Mm. So and I I thought that was just on the other DualShock. I was like maybe it's just because it's so new on uh, DualSense. Sorry, that I got to try earlier this week. When I got mine, opened the box, it's the same. So it is very like you know you're pushing the button, which obviously usually do. So it's super exciting. I, I'm happy to have it. You know you have the little mic here. There is a mute and unmute button right on the control, which I always thought that was just a little light. So I'm super excited to have it. I'm really impressed with it. It's obviously just such a natural evolution on the DualShock. And obviously now that's why they renamed it DualSense. I still kind of wish they just named it DualShock 5. But mm. with all the hardware that's in there that I haven't been able to test out, you know, there are some people out there who have you know, been able to kind of get into it. It's a super satisfying control. And I'm really happy. This might become one of my new favorite controls ever. Usually the next PlayStation control becomes my favorite control Especially, you know, I like the directional pad for PlayStation because I play a lot of fighters and I need those inputs the correct way. Yep. So, you know, that's that's still there. The face buttons are still there. You have your create button, your share button, your options button is all kind of standard. But overall, it's a very nice, clean-looking control. I was able to show a few people who wanted to see it were able to get a pre-order. It's there. I don't see it being much of a finger finger magnet. I'm not sure why people keep talking about that, where it's going to be a lot of fingerprint issues. Um, I've been, like, kind of rubbing my thumb against it slightly and i don't really see any of that problem i'm not, again i don't know why everyone keeps talking about it but yep. that is there guys dual sense 5 super excited i'm really excited for you to get yours so you can really Absolutely. get a hand on it the grips on the like actual analog sticks are also changed they're a little bit indented at the same time curved so it's like a slight bump which is all just better like i don't see anything that changed for the worse on this control yet compared to the dual uh DualShock 4, and I've been kind of bouncing back all week in between the two, obviously, so super excited to have it, and uh, just makes me happy holding it, you know, I don't know what it yeah. is, unboxing, it's really nice, so. Yeah, so I haven't gotten mine yet, but uh, once I do, I'm going to take, we're going to take a couple of days to, you know, play around with it, get more familiar with it, and hopefully sometime during the week you guys can expect an episode, or not an episode, but a dedicated video. Uh, of kind of our first hands-on impressions and then obviously once the consoles are you know out and we actually play around them and get to play astros uh we can you know have more to say about it at that point but i did have like two kind of questions for you yeah, go uh, for since it. you actually have your hands on mm -hmm. so first 
Uh, I'm aware that it, it has a more kind of gritty feel to it because it has all those kind of like imprinted, but like you know the different buttons and symbols on there. Yeah. How does that feel? Does so, it feel way different? It doesn't feel way different. So we've seen pretty high res photos of the back. And yes. for anyone who does, I can't show on this camera because you need a super crazy camera. Yeah, you got a 4K joint. <laughs> Let me tell you, you can have this control almost against your face and you won't see those symbols on there. So they're not as big oh, okay. as you're thinking. Um, I oh, it looks very pronounced. In it the, looks the picture, very pronounced. It's It does still feel matte. Like, it's not like... It's, it's hard to describe. It's Is almost it like the Xbox mat? It's almost flush. It's almost like the Xbox mat. So it's not that hard, like... Again, sound it might be my better option right now. Like this is the front plate, you can't really hear anything. The back you'll hear it, but it's not like gritty. It's not like it's you know it's not like it's okay. gonna wear out. And I'm sure they will at some point wear out, but it's so tiny, like it's almost microscopic. Those symbols on the back, so you do feel like a slight grip back there because of that. Okay. But uh, it's not, like, distracting. It's not like it's going to wear out. It's not like, you know, some of the X's are going to fall out to my extent. Because if you don't know they're there, obviously we know because we watch everything PlayStation Post, you wouldn't know that they're there. You think this is how the back was finished. Gotcha. Because I actually like kind of that kind of grittiness of the specifically the Xbox type mm -hmm. because it's really great for grip. And uh, the more kind of shiny plastic of the DualShock 4 collects oils a lot more. Yeah. But I did have a little bit of concerns because of those pictures. Looked, it, they looked so pronounced that I'm like, that's going to collect a lot of dirt if they're sticking out too far. If there's like deep grooves in there, I was afraid about dirt collection and, you know, yellowing and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's good to hear like, that it's, it's not as pronounced as you'd think. And stuff. No. Yeah, you won't, be, you won't get that in between these little symbols. Again, yeah, I thought they were very more pronounced and like they're almost flushed to the, to the control. Got you. And then I also wondered, so obviously it's very early. You haven't gotten the chance to check out like the adapted uh, triggers and all those things. But just early, early impressions. How do you think it compares to the previous four controllers? So obviously we have the original DualShock, the first time with the, the, the sticks. We have the second one that was kind of evolution from that. The third one is very similar to the second one. But the DualShock 4 was a, a pretty far departure at that point. But that had a lot of problems with the sticks. So just kind of early impressions like that. Do you think this is one of the better ones? Or do you think one of the other ones edge it out so far? Yes, yeah, so it's definitely it's going to be one of the better controls. I think this gotcha. will obviously be my favorite PlayStation control from now on. I think going back won't really be a thing i would do which sucks because i have so many dual shock fours that will work on ps5 if i was playing a ps4 game but it just doesn't make sense to when i have this control that's just a better control i think when you really get like the the weight again like i always talk about the weight the control's not like heavy don't, don't you're not gonna be like oh my arms are tired from holding it but the for almost a second and i'll be honest when i open it and put it there and like grabbed it put it in my hands for a second my thumb went to where analog stick is on a xbox control because for, oh, for a split second because this every other controller usually has it there i think you know the pro control has it there so when you get when you got comfortable for a quick second my thumb went there and i was like whoa just for a second and it just feels so much more comfortable than these and so uh, to me there is no going back you know i i don't see why we, i would ever have to use obviously if i'm playing some multiplayer game that i need those controls they're there and they'll be nice to always collect them but this is definitely to me the best. Like it's, they've gotten better with time, except for um, the place, the original, the launch PlayStation Three empty shell game, you know, things. 
obviously they redid it later but you know besides those they've gotten better with time and they obviously take the you know criticism you can see the inspirations from even the pro control with the longer i'm not even the handles i guess the longer handles come down like they sit all the way into my palm which is comfortable i don't have the biggest hands like i kind of have like long hands so it feels comfortable like i can reach around everything on here Man, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, I'm excited for you to get it because then hopefully some of this stuff translates. When people start getting their hands on it, they're going to be like, oh, I can kind of see what he was trying to get at. Yeah, I was kind of bugging out though. I'm like, man, this is going to be the first generation where I just have accessories for a console I don't have yet. So it's just going to be sitting there. I'm going to be like, oh, it's like a tease. Yeah, the, I so at least for, in my experience when the, the launch of the PS4, and I think I may have even said this on here before, I had a DualShock 4 and like three games a week before launch oh games too wow yeah two weeks before launch i mean it's a week and a half before launch is a little much because I, again i have the hd cameras as, as well there's not much to talk about it it's i haven't unboxed it completely because i still don't know what to do with it and it's you know it's nice i like the packaging and stuff that matches the rest of the packaging and it's the control there's something with the controller to my grab it and like if you you know it comes with a slight charge the playstation button is completely black but when you do push it like the lights still turn on have you tried it on a PS4? I haven't because I think you have to sync it up as a Bluetooth device, and I just don't. <laughs> I don't really have a. I just don't. I haven't done it. I will probably test it out today because I want to see how easy it is. Because I would love to just start getting used to it, playing Crash Bandicoot on this and stuff like that. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Because um, if it works, I'm just gonna start using the DualSense instead, and then when the PS5 comes out, so I'm actually, ready to yeah. go. So I have to check because again, I don't know if you can. I'm pretty sure you can sync this up the same way. I want to say I saw people do that online, so I may have to do a quick check, and I will let you know. And when we do the more, once you get your control during this week, probably mid of this week, we'll do a video. I'll let you know specifically how I how it works. Because you know, I don't want there to be connection issues and stuff like that. Yep, got you. All right, that makes sense. But uh, exciting times, man, because every day we're getting a step closer, and the fact that this is here now, like I legit have a packaging that says PlayStation 5, I'm getting hyped. It, and now I'm officially hyped. I was very aware, uh, you know, staying away from unboxings and stuff, but now I'm at the point where it's like, I want my hardware. I need this box now. Yep, and just another reminder that, again, sometime this week, expect a video where we're going to go into more depth and maybe we'll have a little bit of like an unboxing and first look for you guys too as well. So expect our next-gen content coming out soon. So I guess we can move on to the, the loose topic to kind of cap off the show here. And this is going to be an interesting one. So it's games we would want to see a movie or a series adaptation of. Now, this is interesting because throughout the podcast, I, I'll speak mostly for myself. I was very negative on this idea in general because generally I like to say that allow properties to be adapted in the way that they were meant to be adapted as. So let anime be anime. Let games be games. Uh, but there are certain circumstances where, depending on the nature of the game or the story or something like that, where a movie or a series adaptation can actually be beneficial to them. So, Steve, let's start with you. Did you have anything in mind? So I, I stuck with two because I was trying to think of different things. So I know we had a similar discussion on a while back when I, we first started this. and But I wanted to think of like something a little bit more out there. And I'm, yeah. tr I'm trying to think of the experiences I played this week. So... One th not this week, sorry, this year. And one thing I did was play with Saints Row. Uh, we played Saints Row 3 Remastered, which was a complete game. Loved it. And I started thinking, how could we experience this more? Now, Saints Row is very... 
uh, out there. <laughs> it's very extreme and stuff like that. So I was like, how would this translate? I was like, there's no way they can do a movie because it would just be, you know, I, I don't want scary movie vibes. I don't want epic movie vibes. I don't want that stuff, you know? So I started thinking, how would I, how would, like, how would I want this game adapted in a sense? And I started... And, I, you know, when you sent me this topic, I'm like, I started kind of just doing my normal Saturday routine, and I'm watching Archer. Oh. And I'm watching it, and I don't know if you're familiar with the show. I mean, I know you know the show, yeah. but it gets, sometimes stays on a realistic vibe, and then it gets all loose, like, just completely off the rails. And I said, you know what? Saints Row, in a kind of style like this, would make sense to me, where you need, you know, you can have an overall of your story and stuff like that, but... Saints Row is such a hard one to, and I specifically go from like Saints Row three and I guess a little bit of four. One and two are way more GTA style um, in a sense yeah. and way more realistic. So I'm thinking more of this ridiculous style with ridiculous jokes. You you know we, we remember Zemo and stuff like that. You don't want to see that done. <laughs> you don't want that done realistically. You know what I mean? So yeah. But I can imagine at any point when I was watching Archer and I can I'm like I mean I can imagine at any point like Zemo coming. I kept using him just because how ridiculous of a character he is. He speaks in auto. So funny. He speaks in auto tune. I'm like oh my god. I was like a Saints Row, you know, comedy style show in this even in this animated style that's kind of a hard cell shaded style that is Archer. I was like, man, I'd watch that. I think I would oh, yeah. literally watch it and not be worried about oh they're gonna ruin it. And Saints Row also gives them so much freedom. Where I'm sure that obviously they would bring some characters, Gat, Shondi, would obviously be some staples, but you could create brand new characters for us to laugh at, hate, you know, the show gets a little, re- you know, the game gets ridiculous with some characters' deaths, and but you could also play with it so openly without having, like, hard fan base, you know, when people are thinking of the Last of Us show that's coming, they're thinking, how are you going to recreate Joel and Ellie? I don't care how you recreate any of these characters in Saints Row, I think it's, as long as it's funny and has this sort of campiness to an extent, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, Gat literally goes to hell. It'd be like a perfect like adult swimish type show. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And in a world where we got like Venture Brothers cancelled and yeah. all these other shows cancelled, I'm like, man, I kinda I was like, how can I fund this show? How, who do I gotta yeah. talk to? I'm a you know, small dude from way over here, the East Coast, and I'm like, I kinda wanna watch Saints Row. <laughs> I wanna I gotta, watch. Call, I gotta call somebody up. Yeah, right? We have too many ideas. So what's uh, one of yours? Yeah, so I, the way I kind of approached it was mm-hmm. choosing a great game to adapt as a movie, I feel like would do it a little bit of a disservice. Because again, I feel like, for example, like Uncharted is best as a video game. A lot of video yep. games are best as video games. But I was thinking, I was like, well, what is something that maybe would be better as a movie? And then I was like, ah, The Order 1886. Mm. <laughs> kind of was a movie already. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. But I was, like, envisioning it. I'm like, that story, that imagery, that darkness, and allowing to really go there without all the nonsense that I felt, like, bogged it down as a video game could really make it, like, a really solid movie. But then I also, that kind of made me go kind of spawning in a different direction. And I was like, you know who essentially tries to make movies and would almost be better suited towards that because of the nature of his games is David Cage. And I was like, oh... Detroit as a movie, I feel like could do some really dope things. Yeah, that's very true. Wow, even even as a series. Because some of the the narrative kind of threads that his games make are obviously very cinematic in nature and stuff like that. But I feel like 
if he got to sit down and really just kind of craft out a world and a singular narrative to go towards, that he could kind of excel in that realm. Because again, it's just it's one thing to kind of try to make games that take from movies, but it would be another thing to have taken made games that have taken from movies and then to go back to movies with what you've learned and to learn how to like take those risks and take those chances that video games allow for where in in movies you have this very fixed narrative and in games Mm -hmm. you know you have player agency so what does that look like when you go into a movie you see what player agency can the the wild results you can end up with uh with player agency and how that would translate as a game so i yeah I, i look at like david cage and his ability to make games like um uh heavy rain and maybe even something like beyond two souls if it wasn't so convoluted and out of place and multiple different storylines and different (laughs) timelines maybe that would serve better also as a uh, game so that's what what my thoughts were for it no that's actually really i'm surprised i didn't even think of that and it's funny because i did look i was like oh i saw like these games and i I have them on my shelf and i just didn't think of it and it makes sense because i mean for most of those games he used you know actors and and way more than their likenesses obviously he hired those actors to play these roles so it is interesting that didn't even come across my mind and that makes a lot of sense because those games are pure story that's what really oh yeah it's not the gameplay of detroit that really got you excited nobody wanted to play that it's not spoiler that part you had to drag yourself as a half ripped up android collecting parts in the junkyard yeah trust me that gameplay wasn't extraordinary but the meaning of it all uh, what that led up to, what that led to him being, you know, Frankenstein together and seeing all these, although the message and the storytelling and the characters is what really does stand out. So, I'm that'd be exciting. That'd be really exciting. Yeah, I'd like to throw his, you know, his his games in the ring there to to be adapted or something like that. Now, now obviously, if I had to choose one person to make a movie from gaming, it's obviously going to be Kojima. But yeah, uh, David Cage would be next up. Ah, Kojima. <laughs> Now that would be a wild movie, and I—that's why I kind of wished when that rumor came up that he's like, I may not make a game next. I'm like, good, make a show. I'm cool with that. I was, I'll have no problem. Uh, make with that. A, link up with HBO. Make yeah, something crazy. anybody just—I'm sure anybody would throw money at them. Hulu, anyone, because like imagine if you just get, threw him like you know a crazy couple million dollars and just be like, yeah, make what you want. Like imagine a show he'd make with his cinematic history. Because I don't know if you know, but like if you go into social media, like. He's like always studying like Huge cinema and all these crazy stuff. Huge it's movie like, buff. Woof. Yeah, and and I what I also like like he always talks about how he loved like he loved Avengers and stuff like that. But he will find these like lower movies that people may not always talk about. Like he loved Alita: Battle Angel, right? Yeah, so, and that's a super underrated movie. And he was like really loved it. And to I the need f- to watch that. Yeah, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, you know, pre-Corona, he'd go. I don't know what theater he knew, but he knew certain theaters. Obviously, Japan's a different whole different thing theaters that would show old movies like he'd go watch classic godzilla movies and really break it down luckily you know there's the two there's the japanese version of his feed and there's the translated version because i need to see what he's saying and yeah he's a super big movie buff and i think that's why he takes so much care in these like in his games you can kind of see that if you think about the original all the metal gears these sometimes these big movie like cutscenes, you know were directed like a movie set and so that would be exciting to see him just make something full-fledged unleashed give the silent hill movie remake reboot to him just give it to him i always forget the rebooting that movie 
Yikes. Yeah. I know Resident Evil is getting rebooted too, but I th- yeah, I think Silent Hill is coming back too. Yeah, I know. And I, so some pictures came out of uh, the Resident Evil movie. And again, it's confusing because Resident Evil is making some Netflix stuff as well. And it's like the front of the police station from RE2. So it's. Yeah, I, I see that they're, they're going old school. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, what's going on here? It's. I just. I have concerns about their approach because I, I feel like they're going to bump into the same weird issues that, like, when they tried to remake a. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street where it's such a campy thing that if you try to make it serious it just doesn't work like it just breaks and I, I yeah. just Resident Evil is specifically old school Resident Evil is so camp and that's such a part of it and the clunky dialogue and the wild outfits and the dogs and like it's just it's a wild, the giant animals of the <laughs> of that one mansion like the, these are like iconic parts of like what make old school Resident Evil you know exactly what it is and I just worry that if you try to make it too serious, you're going to end up with the Mila Jovovich nonsense very quickly, right over again. They, we've seen that, and it didn't work. Yeah, I always say that first Resident movie was, like, right on the line with trying to make it the major. And then, you know, then it just went completely offhand. Yeah. And, uh, it was already a little too edgy, but there, it was salvageable by the first Oh, but don't worry. One. It's just, you, you, but, forget about it. You now have Monster Hunter, which looks so faithful to its original work. Well, I mean, speaking of Monster Hunter... That that is something that brings me a great deal of pain. But nothing brings me more pain than the Atari VCS. <laughs> this was the Neo Vintage Podcast. I am Jabril and I am with Hope you guys enjoyed. My name is Steve. And we'll see you guys. Take Bye. Care.